You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. It is now third down and eight. Tyrod Taylor and the shotgun again. Tyrod Taylor with McCoy to his left goes back. Here comes the rush. He loads up. He's going deep. And it's intercepted. It is intercepted by Ed Reynolds. And that should seal it. Welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. That was the lovely sound of Mel Reese giving us the play-by-play of Ed Reynolds' game-sealing interception to secure the Eagles' 23-20 win over the Buffalo Bills. Uh, got a lot to get into on the podcast today, but first and foremost, I'm joined as always by Fran Duffy. What is crack-a-lacking? What's up? Fran, uh, what do we got going on for enemy intel later on in the show as uh, we're going to look ahead to Sunday night showdown with the Arizona Cardinals. We will look at the Arizona Cardinals on both sides of the football. Very good team, obviously, and uh, they rank in the top 10 in pretty much every major category uh, on both sides of the ball. So excited to dig deeper into them with uh, with one Alex Smith. Uh, it's amazing how popular game time is on the podcast because we're now getting suggestions for the name. Uh, are you going to use Cardinal Sin? Uh, I'm not using Cardinal Sin. I did. Uh, I liked the tweet uh, just to show my uh, my appreciation. <laughs> Uh, my appreciation for uh, the suggestion. It's a, it was a great suggestion, too, Cardinal Sin. And to be completely honest, it was a name that I thought about, but I did go with something different. Okay. And uh, the men behind the scenes making it happen, Chris Stevens and Brian Thomas. Gentlemen, uh, can you let us know, let the fans out there know how they can find the Eagles Insider Podcast? BT. You can go on the Eagles channel on, the, uh, on iTunes and obviously subscribe to uh, any three podcasts we have. We have the Journey to the Draft presented by AAA, Eagles Insider, which you're listening to, and we have Eagle Eye in the Sky, which Fran is obviously does with uh, Greg Cosell and a many number of guests. So if you go and give your uh, your opinions, good, bad, and uh, subscribe to podcasts. Let us know what you think. So uh, you guys are also going to have a question for us later on. So Chris and I, we were, we were in the booth, and we saw some stats and some things come up, and we saw a trivia question I posed to him, and he was a hair young to to know some of the names on the list, but he knew one, but uh, I want to tease it for later on, so you guys and, and anyone at home certainly tweeting your, your response to see if you know, but obviously people are going to look it up. And, and, <laughs> but uh, there's a hint. So everyone, all you guys know who these guys are. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, for, for no shadow of a doubt, you guys know who these guys are or have heard the names. Two of the three, well, all, all of them are running backs. Okay. And two or three were were guys that you saw play. Maybe one of the three. One of the four. Okay. But other than that... This is very vague, and it's going to haunt me for the exactly, whole podcast. Exactly. That's exactly. the whole point. The end of the show. That's what we call a tease in the business. So they're all running backs, and we may or may not have seen them play, but we will all know their names. Correct. Got it. <laughs> we could have seen highlights of them. Exactly. No. Great hints, to say the very least. So we'll, we'll do that in... If I give you more, you're going to figure it out. Uh, of course. That's, that's yeah. true. We'll get to that in mailing it in, and we'll also get to your questions that you submit on Twitter, a list of great ones for the show this week. So, of course, we're going to celebrate the Eagles' win over the Buffalo Bills. Uh, yeah! <laughs> helps them maintain a tie for first place in the NFC East. What? With at least the Washington Redskins, maybe the New York Giants, as we're recording this. They have yet to play. The New York Giants do play tonight. Yes, Correct. on Monday night. So and They play the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> nicely done. Very nicely done, BT. Uh, so by the time you guys consume the podcast, we'll obviously have the result already. But nonetheless, the Eagles control their own destiny as long as they win. How's that a destiny? <laughs> that one's over my head. But uh, as long as they win the final two games of the regular season, they will secure the NFC East title. But of course, they want to keep things rolling against the red-hot Arizona Cardinals coming to Lincoln Financial Field 
at 11-2, and two, looking to secure the number two seed for the postseason. Two games back of, obviously, the number one Carolina Panthers, uh, but a formidable foe, to say the very least. So, before we get into three and out, we, like I said, later on the show, we'll have game time, we'll have enemy intel, your question on mailing it in. Let's get into the win over the Bills in our three and out. One, two, three, three. Three is a magic number. Three, three. Now it's time for three and out. All right, so let's review the Eagles' win over the Buffalo Bills, a thriller at Lincoln Financial Field. To say the very least, the Eagles and Bills going back and forth throughout the entire afternoon. The Bills had the one last opportunity at the end of the game to tie it, but Ed Reynolds came through with the game ceiling interception. A Reynolds rep. Exactly. Who, who, who was that? Was that C-Mac or was that Alex, the Reynolds rep? A Reynolds rep is something that I've had in my back pocket for <laughs> months. I was almost going to tweet at you telling you to log off after that one. but No, see, people actually like that one. I'm sure Maybe they, they were just excited because of what happened in Probably. the game. Probably, yeah. Uh, but that one actually got some positive response. He ended the game. That's a Reynolds rap. You were a fan. I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. I love bad puns. That was that was <laughs> an epically bad one. So that's good. <laughs> all right. So uh, I'll, I'll let you guys kick things off uh, with the offensive side of the football. And Fran, uh, you're going to take a look in particular at the man who has helped guide the Eagles to consecutive victories, Mr. Sam Bradford. <laughs> That's, that's right. Well, we've talked over the past few weeks about how he has really kind of come into his own in this offense. It was a shame that he got hurt when he did against Miami, uh, against those Dolphins. Uh, and thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, but just having him back in the fold, you know, the Eagles offense just operates at a higher level with him uh, oper- you know, at the helm as opposed to Mark Sanchez. And, you know, you just see the efficiency. You see the, the good decision making. Obviously, he made that one bad decision late in the game uh, yesterday where he took that bad sack on third down. Obviously, that was an inexcusable mistake for a veteran quarterback. But overall, especially his ability to beat the blitz, and that was something that coming into this game against Buffalo, Rex Ryan, he's going to try and pressure the quarterback. What was he going to try and do? Well, Bradford was blitzed 14 times on 43 dropbacks, actually a lot less than what I thought it would be. They really ramped up the uh, the pressure in the second half, especially late in the fourth quarter, uh, but he was blitzed 14 times. Overall, he was 8 for 14 for 87 yards. He had three drops, so really it could have been 11 of 14 for 87 yards uh, and also had one run. But against the six-man pressures, those all-out blitzes from Rex Ryan, he was 6 of 9 for 69 yards, and two of those three incompletions were drops. So really he could have been 8 for 9 on those all-out blitzes, just did such a good job of being decisive with the football, finding his hot route, uh, and getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Just, uh, I thought it was a good performance overall from Sam Bradford, and he continued uh, to trend upwards uh, throughout the course of the season. The chess match between Rex Ryan and the Eagles offense was to me very fascinating because we all studied how Rex Ryan's defenses like to mix in the personnel, they like to substitute a lot. But obviously, the Eagles' up-tempo approach doesn't allow that to happen, so how would they compensate for that? And you had noted in your Eagle Eye columns, Fran, that Rex Ryan hasn't really blitzed a whole lot throughout the course of the season, so you haven't seen those, you call them the designer exotic blitzes, those packages uh, that we're used to from Rex Ryan teams. So Yeah, I I was very interested to see, and we talked about this actually with Greg Cosell on the the Eagle Eye podcast, was just how Rex was going to defend it because... 
you know, yeah, he hadn't blitzed as much this year. He had in certain spots, and some games certainly he blitzed more than others, but kind of wondered how much he would try and pressure Sam Bradford and this Eagles offensive line on Sunday. And it was, like I said, it was ended up being 14 on 43 pass plays, uh, a little bit less than I would have thought, but uh, still good to see Sam Bradford be very effective against the Blitz. All right, so let's go from the quarterback to the running backs, not just the one back, but the entire backfield. Why am I getting booed? Is, is it Deuce? It, it was them booing Shady yesterday. Uh, I, was like, we were talking about, I knew you were changing to a running back. So. Uh, I thought maybe it was a Deuce, which would have made more sense uh, because Deuce Staley, obviously <laughs> the Eagles running back coach. <laughs> yeah. uh, Deuce Staley, obviously the Eagles running back coach. He's in charge of the rotation, who goes in. And yesterday the Eagles decided to have all four running backs active. Um, and I really like the way that that worked out. Now, obviously, we didn't see all that much from Kenyon Barner yesterday. He only had a few snaps, but we did see what he could do in the New England game. Um, but really, the three main running backs for the Eagles, if you look at the numbers, all told, they didn't have a great day. Total, the Eagles had 34 rushing attempts for 116 yards. Uh, Ryan Matthews had 13 carries for 38 yards, only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. Uh, DeMarco Murray, 11 carries for 34 yards. He averaged 3.1 yards per carry. But... Even though none of the guys in particular had a great day, I think the balance is going to be a key thing for the Eagles uh, in this final three-game stretch of the regular season. Um, Again, the numbers aren't great, but the first drive in particular, all three of those running backs contributed in a huge way. Ryan Matthews was out there to start. He had a couple really nice gains. Then on a, a critical third and two, they bring DeMarco Murray into the game. He gets enough for the first down. Then they bring Sproles in. He picks up 15 yards. And the very next play from one yard out... They give it to Darren Sproles, who people don't think of as a goal line running back, but he's able to punch it in. So all three backs really contributed in a huge way. Uh, so I really like the balance. I like the the fresh legs moving towards the playoffs here. And I also like what it does for the wide receiver rotation because they're, they're connected in a way. Uh, now, some of it also has to do with Miles Austin being released. Um, but since the Eagles had four running backs active yesterday, Jonathan Krause was inactive. And I think that gave some more snaps to some of the other young receivers on the Eagles. Nelson Aguilar played 77% of the snaps yesterday uh, and obviously came through in a big way with the 53-yard touchdown. So I think it's all kind of connected, and I think it's probably the best way to go for the Eagles going forward. You like that? You I, like that? I did like it, Kirk. I liked it a lot. Going into the game, I was looking at the snap count distribution at the wide receiver position because of how Jordan Matthews appeared on the injury report on Saturday as questionable with the back element. So I said, well, if you lose him and all his production, who's going to be the guy who steps up? Mm-hmm. And I looked at Aguilar. Aguilar's second on the team in terms of snaps at the wide receiver position, mm-hmm. and he has 51%. Right. So he hasn't even been out there on the field that much. So to see that increase, it'll be something to watch going forward. Has he earned a bigger role? And maybe you're right that maybe because of the four running backs being active, you need the receivers who are up on game day to be on the field more. I was actually – I was just looking at Aguilar's snap counts um, – before we started recording today. And I think the reason why his 52% or whatever it is, why it was so low is because he missed a lot of time. But it actually surprised me that in some of the early games this season, the Jets game and I think the Washington game, he played over 90% of the snaps in this game. I think he had 96% of the snaps in the Washington game. Um, So I think really with him, and it's something that Chip talks about all the time, is just finding consistency uh, in his game. And I really hope that this was kind of a springboard game for him Moving down the stretch here. He has a yep. couple drops that he has to overcome still. And he talked about that. Yeah. He talked about it after the game. Um, you know, he, Obviously, he had the big play, but he said the two drops are the plays that he's going to be thinking of after the game, not the touchdown. All right. So my point here, and I'm going to go to the defensive side of the football, and I'm just going to give a lot of love uh, for 
the team's MVP, defensive end Fletcher Cox, who was outstanding once again. Uh, eight tackles to lead the team. He had the one sack of Tyrod Taylor, two tackles for loss. Uh, the one we all saw where he tackled LaShawn McCoy in the backfield for, for a huge loss of 10 yards. Um, Richie Incognito, the guard, starting guard, whom Cox just beat up all day long, uh, said that he took his lunch afterward. Rex Ryan, whose dad, Buddy Ryan, coached Jerome Brown, had said he thought it was kind of funny when he heard the comparisons between Cox and Jerome Brown, but after watching him play yesterday, he said he could see why. That he's that good, that dominant of a player. And this is coming off a performance against the Patriots in which he had eight quarterback pressures of Tom Brady, the most by any Eagles defender since 2012. Just another outstanding performance and was been a Pro Bowl, should be an All-Pro, just a phenomenal season all around. It's not rocket science. Just say yes and we'll move on. It really isn't. It isn't rocket science. Fran, you detailed this in Eagle Eye in the Sky. Bill Davis utilized him up and down the line. I can't say enough great things about what he's brought to the defense this year. If he is not in the Pro Bowl, I am boycotting the Pro Bowl. And I don't even know what that means, but I'm boycotting. You actually wouldn't watch. I, w- I wouldn't watch. So if you were sent to the Pro Bowl, you'd boycott? Yes. I would go somewhere else in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. Oahu. <laughs> yeah. I'd find something else to do. Trust me, if we went on that trip. I, I don't care as much about the Pro Bowl as I do about All-Pro. I think if, he's, if he doesn't get named first-team All-Pro, then I think there's a bigger issue. The whole, the whole way that the, the positions are organized just doesn't make any sense. Why is he getting matched up with guys that play completely different positions than him just because his title is a defense. It's, it's idiotic. Right. It doesn't make any sense. I'm boycotting if he doesn't make it. I'm just saying it now. I'm going to Mobile, Alabama instead of uh, Hawaii if, <laughs> if it comes to it. <laughs> you would do that by choice anyway. That's irrelevant. It's erroneous. It doesn't matter. I'm boycotting. Is it irrelevant it or is it erroneous? Erroneous. <laughs> it's more irrelevant than erroneous. <laughs> so uh, that's going to do it for us here on 3 and Out. It's now time for the interview. And now it's time for what you've all been waiting for, the interview. My special guest this week on the Eagles Entire Podcast for the interview, none other than a player who is not getting the Pro Bowl and All-Pro love that I think he deserves. And that's punter, Donnie Jones. Donnie, welcome to the Eagles Entire Podcast. Thanks for having me. I Glad just, I could join you. I was just say welcome back. You're a return guest. We had you on last year. I don't recall. So. I don't recall this um, this big microphone. Maybe you did, but I don't. I don't Probably recall. Probably did. It. We we've operated out of like five different rooms in this facility. It's kind of like wherever we can find a space to record. Just give us this little spot here. Well, this is by far there. the best setup. And if I was on last year and I don't remember, I'm sorry, but this is quite a. Uh, the microphones are a really nice issue. <laughs> We're uh, just happy to have a media superstar like yourself here. <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> we talk about your star of TV, Inside the Eagles, co-host with none other than John Dornboss. Uh, yes, I do help John out on Inside the Eagles. Yeah. and uh, we do, do more than help out. You do more than help out. You're like the straight man. You're the one who kind of keeps everything in check. We have fun. No question. We that's have fun on TV part. and we have fun on the radio. And talk about the radio show because that's new this year. That's been great actually. Uh, you know, XTU, uh, we're on 7 to 8 on Monday nights at Chiggies and Pete's. We have a great time. Jennifer Reed and uh, Dave Spadaro and we talk football, we talk country music, talk about a lot of things, what's in guys' travel bags. But it's really been fun and it's something I know John and I have enjoyed doing and uh, we look forward to, um, you know, three more for the regular season and then uh, playoffs. Into the playoffs, yes. Exactly. We will continue the show. What's the funniest thing that you've heard in someone's travel bag? Funniest thing I've heard. 
I want to say, did Vinnie Curry say he had some brought some wrestling, little wrestling figurines maybe with him on the road? Possibly? I would not be surprised by that whatsoever. Yes, I think I, th- I think I recall <laughs> him saying he had a little uh, a little mini Ric Flair he carried with him uh, on the road games, and uh, he's actually been doing the break the last couple weeks. Uh, I think he actually does his uh, his Ric Flair impersonation, and uh, yes, he does. I can't quite hear what he's saying, but I hear the <laughs> woo. He does a nice job. Uh, what went into the decision to have him do the breakdown? Do you know? I have, scene, have no idea. I just try to stay far back so nobody steps on my foot, and uh, they, they they get pretty rowdy in there, man. So I uh, I kind of I, I kind of stay back and uh, and let those guys let those guys go at it. It's interesting when uh, you think of travel bags. The best one was a player years ago, Coy Detmer, longtime backup that. quarterback who didn't have a travel bag. It was the clothes on his back, and he carried his playbook and toothbrush. Nothing else. Simple. Very simple. And I thought I was simple, but yes, that's he's very simple. Yeah, and he was making quarterback money too, so because he was in the league for quite a long time. So we were just thinking. I know he's a big video game guy, so I'm just thinking all that money is probably going into the video games and everything else. Apparently, it's not going into his travel bag. No, <laughs> <laughs> apparently he didn't see the need for a uh, for a nice travel bag, right? So what made you decide to get into the media aspect of things? Was it just a matter of you and John have the great chemistry? Is it you just been in the league for ten years and wanted to get out of your shell a little bit? Yeah, I never really. Uh, John was actually the one that brought me on board with Inside the Eagles, and uh, I never really had a desire to do it. The radio show kind of came about. We actually had done an event last year. I can't remember. It might have been a sweet holder dinner, or maybe it was a corporate sponsor dinner, mm-hmm. and we were talking to um, Andy Bloom uh, with CBS Radio and kind of just talking a little bit about possibly doing a show. We didn't really think anything of it, and then um, you know, kind of everything came together this year with doing the show for XTU, and uh, it's been a blast. I mean, I'm a big country music fan. I love it, so to be able to go on, on the air and uh, talk football and country music has been, uh, has been really cool. So you've been married 10 years. You have two beautiful kids, son and a daughter. Are they old enough to know what you do for a living, to appreciate what th- you do? I think my son is starting to figure it out, and I think uh, it was this year after the Dallas game uh, when I took that shot. I got knocked on my butt, and uh, I got a text after the game. Somebody sent me, actually, the uh, video clip of the TV copy, and uh, I was watching. He's like, Dad, is that you? And I said, yes, son, that's me. He said, let me see that. So he was watching, and he said, well, how are you on the phone? You know, And I said, oh, well, somebody you know, found this. Obviously, it was on the Internet, and somebody sent it to me. So uh, I guess he got on my phone and was on Google, and he happened to type in Weston Jones, Donnie Jones' son. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Like, son, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm looking for myself, Dad. <laughs> so I think he, you know, by seeing that clip and he's like, wow, you know, this stuff, this is on the internet, you know, and I don't think before he really knew, he understood I play football, but I don't mm-hmm. think he, he understood the level. Now as he's getting older, I think he's understanding the game more. Still, he's not really that into it. He'd rather go in the family room and play video games with Nico, which is Dom's little boy. So uh, he's just having fun being a kid, but it will be really cool. I know that's one thing when we first had children is to be able to play long enough to where when they get old enough, they really do understand and really get it. So uh, I'm going to keep kicking away. Hopefully I can do it for a lot longer. You're a huge golf guy. Mm-hmm. And you had a chance to meet the legend, Arnold Palmer. Yeah, it was this awesome. Past, this past off season with Cody Parkey. How did that come about? Uh, that was set up through Howdy Giles. Howdy is actually Arnold Palmer's dentist and okay. has been a lifelong fan of Arnold's. He actually was out at practice last year, and uh, he's a friend of Mr. Lurie's. He actually invited us to go down to Bay Hill. So uh, this past offseason, we went down right before they played the tournament. Okay, yeah. And the course was in awesome shape. We played two rounds, and uh, after we played the first round, we got to go into the locker room and, uh, and meet Arnie. And, uh, you know, me being a huge golf fan, obviously, uh, that's a guy who's had a lot of success. Unbelievable golfer. It was really cool to get to meet him. We gave him a jersey, and, and he was really thankful. Definitely something I'll remember for a long time. Who's the best golfer on this Eagles team? 
I have not played with him, but I believe Sam Bradford really would be the best. I hear he's a really good golfer. Okay. Maybe at some point we'll hook up and play a little bit. It's a little cliche, but is it true that the connection between a golf swing and the consistency with that goes along with the punter and the swing? The I think the swing, swing is similar. You know, you don't want to try to kill it or swing too hard. It's about leg speed. It's about club speed. So, yes, there's definitely some, uh, some similarities. I just happen to be a lot better punter than, than <laughs> him golfer. What do you think is a reason for the success that you've had this season? Because I was crunching the numbers, and your gross punting average is the best since 2008, I believe, when you were an all-pro in St. Louis. And then your net is your best since, I think, 2009. What do you think is the reason for that success this year? You know, I think it has a lot to do with um, the way I prepared this offseason. Really, you know, I have Dave Fipp to thank for a lot of it because, you know, at the end of last season, we really had a long discussion about where I was in my career and the steps that I would need to take to move forward to continue to have success. And I think you always, you know, really evaluate yourself and look at where you're at and what you need to do to uh, achieve certain goals you may have. I remember before I left, you know, he looked at me and he said, you've got a great talent, but you're gonna have to work harder than you ever had before. And for me, I really took that to heart. Here's a guy that I have a lot of respect for, and he's done a lot for me, you know, my three years here, really not only as a coach, but also just as a person. You know, I really see him like a brother. I really went home, and uh, I changed a lot of stuff I did in the offseason. I I worked out really hard. I ate right. I started kicking earlier than I have. And I think all those things really played into the way that I've been able to kick the ball this year. And, uh, you know, I would say it, it probably has in a while really, really been one of my better seasons since I've started playing. And obviously that was back in 2004. You know, I think you learn new things and I think you, um, you're you open to new ideas. And Coach Kelly talks about it having, you know, a growth mindset. Like I said, I took a long, hard look and said, if I want to play 20 years, what's it going to take? And uh, it's going to take kind of getting out of that comfort zone, going home and doing things maybe you haven't done and maybe starting early, maybe not playing as much golf, which I didn't get to do. But, um, you know, I have such a wonderful opportunity to play for this organization and play in this league, you know, maximize the time you can play. And that comes from putting the effort in in the off season. So um, just went home, worked hard and, uh, you know, came up here obviously for everything and was a part of all the off season. And uh, that's another thing I think is really important to be here, be with the guys, to work out, get the reps in with John and with Cody and, you uh, so now, you know, when are we week 15 now? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel really good. I probably feel the best I've, I've felt in a long time. And 35 years old, but I sure don't feel like it. And I know a lot of people think, oh, 35 is old for NFL, but uh, my leg feels as good as ever. So, What has been the key to Caleb Sturgis and his development through the course of the season? He came up huge with three field goals in the win on Yeah, Sunday. you know, I, I was asked that question by the media whenever he had the misses at Washington and everybody was down on him and, uh, you know, what do you think of him? And I said at that point that I thought Caleb was a great kicker. Obviously, all kickers struggle. And if you look at the league this year, there's been a lot of struggles amongst kickers. You know, but he's a guy, he's played for a couple of years. Uh, he's playing in Miami where, the conditions I know it's warm but it can get really windy down there you know I told him I said I think he's a great kicker obviously you get some adjusting you come up here to Philly you're adjusting a new holder a new snapper new environment and I think he's really settled in nicely and uh really you know Sunday I mean he had an outstanding game he had five touchbacks and uh the field goals and the extra points were obviously huge and, uh, in a game that was ultimately we won by three points so uh I'm really proud of uh where he's come from you know to uh to now I think he's done an outstanding job Donnie, you've been in a lot of locker rooms. This team could have easily gotten in the tank after the three-game losing streak, especially with the back-to-back losses to Tampa Bay and Detroit in the fashion that they happened. Why do you think this team has been able to rebound? I think it's a testament to the guys in there. I think we have a, we have a really good group. Uh, we have a lot of good leaders on this team. You know, just to name a few, Jason Peters, Connor Barwin, Jason Kelsey, D'Amico Ryans. You know, all these guys are, are leaders. We have a great coaching staff. We have a great owner. 
Mr. Lurie's awesome. Coach Kelly's been great. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, my coach, I think it's everybody believing in one another and uh, knowing we have the group and we have what it takes to be successful. Things aren't always going to go your way. Uh, you know, it's how you respond in the tough times, how you battle through adversity. And sticking together, I think, is one of the things that this group, uh, you know, has done. And uh, and we've never given up and, um, you know, really started turning around two weeks ago at New England. And I feel now that we're really playing together as a team, offense, defense, and special teams. So, you know, now's the time. You know, we start in December, and uh, we just got to keep this thing rolling now. Did you know Jason Peters was his high school team's punter, I believe? I did not know that. I knew he played at Arkansas. We actually played against each other, and he, I believe he was a tight end. Yes. And uh, had some memorable games against Arkansas when, <laughs> when I played at LSU. Last question for you, and just going back to the individual standpoint, what would it mean with the offseason you've had, the season you've had up to this point, to get recognized with either the Pro Bowl or All-Pro honors? I don't really ever look at that, honestly. You know, I think when I was younger, one of the years I really thought I was going to go, I, I'd finished first in the NFL in gross. We were second net, and I remember my agent telling me, oh, you're a shoe in and I didn't go, and I was really disappointed. But, um, you know, I'm at the point now in my career, man, 12 years in, I, I just want to win a Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, if I get picked, obviously, would it be cool? Yeah, I think it'd be great to be selected to the Pro Bowl, but I'm not really worried about that. I just want to continue to do what I got to do week in and week out to help this team win games. And uh, ultimately, I think that's something that as a group will remember a lot longer than if you made a Pro Bowl or not. But they'll remember, you know, the 2015 Eagles team that was a Super Bowl champion. That's the only thing I want to do is continue to do my job week in and week out and help us win the field position battle. Eagles have won two straight games, and a big reason for that has been the play of special teams. And, of course, the man at punter, Donnie Longball himself, Donnie Jones. Thank you very much for joining us here on the interview on the Eagles Entire Podcast. Thanks for having me. Time to get ready for game day. It's time for Enemy Intel. All right, Fran, let's talk the X's and O's of the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, uh, one of the top teams in the NFC, a team that the Eagles have faced a lot. They used to be divisional rivals, and even though they're not, they still seem to find a way to play them uh, every year, and it's always a pretty good game. First thing I want to know about the Arizona team, their defense. Obviously, they lost Todd Bowles, their defensive coordinator. He becomes the head coach of the New York Jets. How is their defense different this year than what it was in years past? Well, I guess first we'll talk about how they're the same. And they're the same in a lot of different ways. I mean, they're top five in points allowed. They're top five in yards allowed. They're top five in rush yards allowed. They're top 10 in pass yards allowed. They're top five in third down percentage. I mean, they, they are at or near the top of the list in pretty much every major defensive category. They rotate personnel at every single level at a very, you know, at a very efficient rate. Defensive line, I mean, they, they rotate those guys in and out. So you've got Calais Campbell, who's just a freak of nature at left defensive end. Corey Redding and Red Bryant, the kind of the veteran president is there. You've got the Frosty Ruckers and Ed Stinsons and Josh Mars who are young guys. Two rookies inside at nose tackle that they rotate. So just a lot of rotation in the front three. And then just the multiplicity of the secondary is very interesting as well. A lot of man coverage, very similar to what you saw with Todd Bowles. I would say the biggest difference, honestly, coming into this year is that Patrick Peterson last year obviously was bothered a little bit, you know, the, the medical issue that he had, the diabetes, and it seems that they've kind of corralled that. And now he's back to playing at a very, very high level. He was a good corner last year, is a great corner this year. So just having him. And then on the other side, it used to be that you had Antonio Cromartie over there. And now, obviously, he's gone. He's back. With, uh, he's with the New York Jets with Bowles. So now you've got Gerard Powers, who is the starter. But Justin Bethel has played in Powers' place over the last couple of weeks because of an injury. And they just re-signed Bethel. He's a scrappy kid, a small school guy, former, I want to say he was Bethune-Cookman, I want to say, coming out of college. But 
small school guy, athletic, undersized, they, they, and obviously the Honey Badger. I mean, they just have so many different pieces. Dion Buchanan, the, the former safety, who's now basically a linebacker yeah. for them. Buchanan was the guy that I, I wanted to ask you about because I know you've talked about him through the draft process and all that, but like you said, this guy was a safety, and they're playing him as what, like a, like a dime linebacker? But he's out there for a good amount of their snaps. Yeah, so that was the big thing is that he plays now what they call the money position in that defense. And it used to be a year ago, he would play a little bit of safety and base downs, but really their base package was dime and he was a linebacker near the line of scrimmage almost always. But now he really is a linebacker. They don't play as much dime because they consider him a linebacker. So now it's really more of a nickel defense. And you'll see some reps of base as well. But, you know, he still is in that role near the line of scrimmage where he's attacking downhill. He's the top tackler on the team, leads the team in stop. Just such a productive player. I mean, 88 tackles, two sacks, 11 TFLs, a pass deflection, two forced fumbles, five quarterback hurries, just incredibly productive player. Uh, you know, coming out of Washington State, look, I mean, he had his limitations, but they do such a good job of putting him in position to make plays because it's not like they're taking him and, and saying, okay, we need you to play uh, in the deep end of the field. He's playing near the line of scrimmage and it's allowing them to be very successful. Show me the money! Jerry, you better yell! The money. Here we go. I really like that they call him the money backer, and it's it's really funny when you see it listed in the game book because the position is listed as the cash symbol with a B next to it, which is just really, it, I saw that and I honestly didn't know what it meant. It threw me for a loop, but now I know. I learned something else today. Switching sides here, let's talk about the Cardinals offense. They're a team that, you know, from the naked eye, it doesn't seem like they do anything flashy, but they do everything really well and give Carson Palmer credit. He's done a lot of great things. Definitely an MVP candidate. It looks like it's Cam Newton's year, but Carson Palmer definitely in the conversation. What is it about that offensive scheme that allows them to have so much success with Palmer running it? Well, the, the thing with Carson Palmer is that he's such a good quarterback in that he can handle so many different things. And they do. So, I talked about the multiplicity on off or on defense. They are just as multiple on offense. I mean, they can come out. They play second most empty as anybody in the league. They, I think they play 22 percent of their dropbacks so far this year have been from an empty set where the, he's completely unprotected. He's got five blockers and he's able to just disperse the football wherever the defense dictates. And he's just got such a good ability to be able to read defenses and get the ball out quickly. They have a, a bevy of receivers that he's able to get the ball out to a ton of speed and it's a vertical shot play offense. They try to attack down the field and that plays to his strong arm. It plays to his decisiveness. It plays to his decision making skills. But then too, in the same breath, while they are a shot team offense, they're also a big screen team. Every single screen play in the book you're going to see from this offense. And then also in the quick game, they do a lot of the rub stuff, a lot of the, the pick plays to try and get guys open. We remember the, the long touchdown that Larry Fitzgerald had a year ago uh, in that game down in Arizona off of a similar play like that well they they love to be able to steal yardage when they can they like to keep defenses honest and then you know like I said every once in a while they're going to strike you down the field they've got a ton of speed between John Brown and JJ Nelson the two draft picks from the previous two years uh and they try they try and hit you deep speaking of Larry Fitzgerald a guy that just always seems to play at his best against the Eagles. I feel like every game he plays against the Eagles, he scores at least one touchdown. He had three touchdowns in the NFC Championship game back in 2009 against the Eagles. But they move him around a lot. You'll see him lined up in the slot. You'll see him outside. You'll see him in motion. The guy's been so consistent for so long, but it just seems like they find new ways to get him the football. Yeah, and they are such a good offense in terms of trying to create matchups. And so they think that Larry Fitzgerald can win outside against whoever's going to be playing outside. That's where they're going to put him. And and they'll try and do different things. We talked about the rub concepts, different ways to try and create 
space for him to work. All the different vertical concepts, they have such great speed to be able to stretch teams vertically. It allows him to do so much work intermediate area of the field. And also, I mean, look, the guy's a seasoned pro. He does all the little things well. He's a good route runner. We saw the big block that he had on the Michael Floyd touchdown on Thursday Night Football last week. He does all the little things well. And he's, I mean, that's why he's one of the best in the game, even though at this point, a year ago, everyone thought he was kind of washed up and he you know, was past his prime. He's the leading receiver on this team. He's got 96 catches so far this year. Been incredibly productive. I am really interested to see uh, how this matchup shakes out on Sunday night. Used to be Sunday afternoon. Now it's Sunday night. The Eagles get to go up against one of the top teams in the NFC. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Fran, great stuff as always. And now it's time to transition to game time. Get out your scorecards. It's game time. It is time for my favorite part of the Eagles Insider Podcast. It's time for game time. And obviously going with the themes that uh, I always like to go to for this, uh, this part of the podcast. Today's game is called House of Cards. For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule. Hunt or be hunted. Welcome back. Our I thanks to Frank Underwood for joining the program today. That was awesome. Awesome Fra- show. Fran, uh, it sounds like you're a big House of Cards guy. Uh, I, I am a huge, huge House of Cards fan. Then you will love the game today because it has uh, nothing to do with the show. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the show. We've got some trivia questions for you about the Arizona Cardinals. Five for each of you guys. Oh boy. Uh, you guys know the rules. Uh, you get a chance to steal. All that good stuff. First question goes to C-Mac. And this is a pretty easy one. We'll start out a little bit easier. Okay. We'll get harder as we go. C-Mac, since 1920, the Cardinals have called three cities home. Name the three cities. Chicago, St. Louis, and Phoenix. Well, I guess really it's four because it's... Uh you know, one was Tempe, and then now it's Glendale, so... But Arizona. Yes, correct. Okay. Nicely done. Excellent. Rand, next up, this one's right up your alley. Cardinals head coach Bruce Arian spent six seasons as the head coach at Temple from 83 to 88. Six seasons. How many wins did he record during that time? If you're within four, you get the point. <laughs> what? Wow. Uh, six years. Six years. I would say he probably got 48 wins. 48 wins in six years? No, that is incorrect. Oh, no. No, 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 no. C-Mac, chance to steal. Oh, I get this chance to steal. Uh, the number 40 came to mind. Also incorrect. Bruce Arians won no. 27 games in six years. <laughs> they never won more than six in a year. Jeez. I wonder how many Boca Raton bowls they made when, during his time there. Uh, zero. <laughs> Zero, so, <laughs> so no points there. C-Mac, we come back to you. Okay. Going through the Cardinals' record books here. Mm-hmm. The single-game rushing record is 228 yards, set in 2011 by this uh, former first-round pick. The one that comes to mind is Beanie Wells. Correct. Nicely done. 2-0 lead for C-Mac. Fran, we go to you. Yes. I think I gave Fran the harder questions here. Uh, yeah, it seems like You it. probably did. Uh, you're you're that's insulting just, my that's, intelligence. But very much that's like Frank Underwood, I start at the bottom and I climb my way to the top. So. Yes. Uh, Even Achilles was only as strong as his heel. <laughs> <laughs> Fran, the single-game passing record for the Arizona Cardinals is 522 yards, and it was set by this current member of the media. 522 yards. Uh, that would be Kurt Warner. Incorrect. Ooh. It's a trick question. C-Mac a chance to steal wow, and take a commanding 3-0 that lead. That is the obvious one there. 522 yards. It's oh, nice. tougher to remember that this guy played for the Cardinals. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of names after C-Mac guesses. Okay. I'm just going to go the snake, Jake Palmer. Ooh, good guess, but no. Uh, that Grant? was my first guess. That was my first thought steps now. before Kurt Warner. The higher up the mountain, the more treacherous the path. <laughs> He's a good job. Uh, Doug Flutie. Incorrect. Jim Miller. Incorrect. Uh, One more guess. I'm trying to think of who played. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's this is a Five. pretty well-known quarterback, but it's not so well-known that he played for the Cardinals. That who is in the media? Current member of the media. Think radio. Was Boomer Esiason? Boomer Esiason is correct. Wow, I wow, definitely don't good. remember him. Yes, well, he was on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Right? Exactly. Didn't even give me love. Yes, Boomer Esiason, 522 yards, single game record for the Cardinals. We're still at CMAC here. This is our last single game record that we're going to talk about. The longest interception return in Cardinals history is split by two players. One of them was in 2006. One was in 2008. Can you name those two players? One of them should be... The first that comes to mind is Aeneas Williams. Oh, incorrect. He's too old. Too old. One player is a cornerback. One player is a safety. Well, I've already missed it, so... I'll still give you... No, you can... I would say the 2008 one. I'll play this one. All right, the 2008 one. Is it our good friend DRC? Correct. Correct. Excellent. Aeneas Williams way, way before that time. Yes. That was bad. So what do we want to do? We want to move to France see if we can get the other yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. So 2006. Safety. safety from safety. 2006. There's the safety that was in Arizona for a long time whose name I'm struggling to remember. <sighs> Man, he played there for years. Can the producer steal? Yeah, Frank gets a chance, but then you can steal. Yeah, I'm, uh, you I'm guys struggling can right now to, to, to remember the guy's name. Go ahead. You guys can steal. Andrew Roll. Incorrect. No, that wasn't who I was thinking of. You got the first initial right, though. Correct answer is Adrian Wilson. Adrian Wilson. Uh, That's who I was thinking of. Adrian Wilson. Uh, How do we forget the... the, Shame on me. He was there for like eight years. That's what I mean. He was there for forever. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Unbelievable. We all suck. Fran, you're still up. The Mm. Eagles and Cardinals, of course, met in the 2009 NFC title game. What fans probably don't remember about that game is who led the Eagles in receiving yards on that day. That would be Brent Selleck. Incorrect. Selleck had a huge game, but he was not the Eagles' leading receiver. I'm trying not to be cute with it. Don't want to be cute with it because the way you ask the question... This um, player caught four passes for 122 producers yards. Producers for the steal. Kevin Curtis. Oh, dude. I, oh, he still had uh, a chance oh, there. Oh, I thought he was. I thought he, I thought he gave up. No, I didn't oh. answer yet. Uh, Is he wrong? No, that's oh. right. Damn. Jeez. Oh, man. Well, so, we win. Well, because I was saying, I, you know, I vividly remember the game, and I was just thinking, Deshaun had the huge touchdown in the fourth quarter. Yep. But I didn't know if the he did The bobbling play. The bobbling play. Were you at that game, C-Mac? I was. And um, Kevin Curtis, the only player I remember, was the fourth down drop against former Eagle Rod Hood. Rod Hood. The producers, I guess, get the point there, but... Uh, they can have it. We'll, we'll go into an investigation if, uh, if we have to. C-Mac, we're back to you. All right. In that game, the Eagles only sacked Kurt Warner twice. Once was from Trent Cole. The other sack came from this former second-round pick. Former... Second round pick. Was it rookie Trevor Laws? Incorrect. Fran, you have a chance to steal. Is it one B Doc? Oh, good. Nicely done. That was a good guess, but no. Producers, chance to steal. Victor Abiamiri. Correct. Yeah. And the producers have just tied it, even though they weren't part of the game. (laughs) Producers and C Mac are tied it too. Fran. Oh, man. uh, Still looking for that first point. This is a tough one. Fran, Carson Palmer was the first overall pick in 2003, so obviously he was the first quarterback taken. There were three other quarterbacks taken in the first round that year. Can you name two of them? If you get all three, you get two points. Can you name two of them? 2003 first round. I want to say one of them was J.P. Losman. That is unfortunately incorrect. Oh, okay. All right. You get one strike. You get to keep going. 
Uh, all right, so Carson Palmer came out in 2003. Do you want me to give you the conferences for these players? No, no, no. It's all right. Okay. Well, I mean, if you give me the conferences, I'm going to get them. So. Okay. If you want to give me the point, then you can give me the conferences. I'm, okay, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, this is interesting. First round of the 2003 NFL draft. All right, well, to speed this up, let's get the. What do you, what do you got for the conferences? Uh, Pac 10. Okay. Uh, SEC. And I think Conference USA. I'm not sure about the last one. Okay. It might be Mac. might be the Mac. 2003. Was Chad Pennington one of them? Incorrect. That is two <laughs> incorrect guesses. <laughs> You're just trying to think of, the, of that last one because Marshall. We moved to C-Mac. So now, one of these is... players was still in the NFL as recently as training camp this year. Really? Either one. No. I, I'm drawing complete blanks here. So Producers? Chance to steal. Can you name two of the other three quarterbacks taken in the first round of the 2003 draft? And I've given a couple. Joey of Harrington. Incorrect. Uh, I'm, I'm done. I don't know. I've no, David, I've that was the David Carr draft. I have no idea who's the answers. The other three quarterbacks. All right. The one who recently who plays recently as this year in training camp, Rex Grossman. Oh, really? From Florida. You are yeah, so sure. dumb. You are really <laughs> dumb. For real. Uh, Kyle Bowler with the Ravens, and uh, the other one, Byron Leftwich. Oh yeah, man, the second that, quarterback take right, right school, just wrong, yes. wrong player. What uh, what conference is Marshall in? Yeah, they were in Conference USA back then. Okay, so well, well done. I'm surprised that I even knew that. All right, one question left for each of you guys. C-Mac, in 2013, Larry Fitzgerald became the youngest receiver to reach 11,000 career receiving yards. Can you name the previous record holder? The youngest to 11, youngest to reach 11,000 career receiving yards. The obvious answer, I think, would be Rice. I'm going to go Tim Brown. Incorrect. Okay. Both answers incorrect. Really? Is it, is it straight cash, homie? Yes, it is. Indeed. Randy Moss. There we go. I don't know why that requires <laughs> yeah. a dolphin sound, but I like it because I like the dolphin Randy sound. Randy Moss. Uh, right, now, Fran just made things interesting. So now we move to the final question. Fran gets a crack at it first. C-Mac's up two to one. Uh, the producers also have two points as well. This is the most electric finish that we've ever had in game time. Fran, you get first crack at this question. Since his retirement from the NFL, Jake the Snake Plumber has spent a lot of his time becoming a professional in this sport in which he even hosted his own invitational in 2008. Uh, C-Mac knows the answer. <laughs> He's itching. <laughs> Just jumping up I've and read down. about I'm pretty sure I know it, yes. He and, ah. he and his brother have become professionals. I mean, it's it's one of two things in my mind. It's either well, you can only it's you can either, only get one answer. It's either curling or froth. Froth? What? <laughs> froth is not a thing. <laughs> it's frisbee golf. Oh, I'm gonna go. I've never heard of it called go, froth. Well, I just told you that it's not froth because yeah, I never so, heard of so it. Yeah. Gonna, it'll have to be curling. <laughs> curling is your answer. Froth. <laughs> First froth reference <laughs> in the history, and hopefully the last. The hopefully the last time. Curling is incorrect. <laughs> can, we go, can we go frothing? Oh, that's, uh, we got. We should get, oh, the, get the cameras out. Frothing. Frothing. Uh, frothing. Handball. Handball is correct. Oh wow! Really? Yes. All right. Uh, that'll that'll wrap things up for House of Cards game time. Let's mail it in. Captain. Incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, Mailing It In. I don't know how we make a transition from uh, game time to mailing it in, but... Things got away from us there. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, Before we get into your questions from Twitter... Why don't we get into the trivia question? We'll, we'll just keep the whole trivia thing rolling here from the producers. 
who had a something they were discussing up, in, I guess, in the radio booth during the uh, win over the Bills. Um, I'm a big Cam Newton fan. No, nice. you are. As we were talking about Cam Newton potentially winning the MVP coming up, we thought and said, wow, I wonder how many Heisman winning players in general have actually won MVP in the NFL. So there were five. And can you gentlemen, excuse me, four, can anyone here name? I thought, I thought the number was three. Didn't you guys say in the beginning it was three? It's four. Excuse me. They did. Okay. They did say three, I think. Pardon, so wait, pardon my is, colleague. This is Heisman Trophy winners who have won MVP. The MVP in the NFL. Can you name them? There's four of them, and I think all of them, uh, were, you said, were running backs? All of them are running backs. Heisman Trophy winners who won MVP. All right. Uh, OJ. One. That's Good. one. Well, I never saw OJ play. Uh, how about... Um, Who's never... Heisman Trophy winners who also won MVP. BoJack? There's one you guys should absolutely have off the top of your head. Uh, AP. He didn't win the Heisman. He didn't win the Heisman. No. Close. Close. Okay. Uh, You're on the right side of the country. It's the middle of the country. <laughs> uh, you're in the you're in the right state. You're in the right state. Don't get into geography with, was, with Stevens. You're in the right state. <laughs> That's Sanders. not his strong wanna, point. There you go. Barry Sanders. Hey, Barry Sanders. And these rest, I I don't know if the other two were uh, real trivia. How about um? Did Frank Gifford about, win the Heisman? No. Okay. How about Eddie George? I don't. No, he didn't no win MVP. Uh, I thought he may have the year they went to the Super Bowl. Mm. But Warner won MVP that year. Let's see. Uh, not Herschel Walker. Uh, I said not Herschel Walker. So uh, why am I getting buzzed <laughs> for that? They're, they're not even paying attention. There's. Uh, who are the other ones? Can we get like a hand on the other two? That doesn't give it away, or is that not possible? I mean, they thought there were three, and there's actually four in the beginning. So I don't know yeah. if hints are possible right now. What's Play that? for the Raiders. Play for the Raiders. Oh, Marcus Allen. Okay. And the last guy, he's I, I know nothing about him, so I couldn't he's really give you much information. Is it Lawrence McCutcheon? Didn't you just say it? It's, it's Paul Horning, but or that was Paul close, Horning, right? No, no, Paul Horning. Paul Horning. That, was my, that was, would have been my next guess, too. Okay. That's a tough one. Let's That's go a one. tough one. That's good. I like no winners that. today, unfortunately. C-Mac, I think, got what? He got one, one and a half, one with help. He I got Marcus? Give him the whole geography tip. Yeah. It was pretty blatant after I said it was That's in the fine. West. Oklahoma's not in the West. <laughs> <laughs> like it's I that, said, just Stevens did the up geography. For debate. It's up for she, debate. It's up for <laughs> debate. <laughs> if there's one thing that's not up for debate, <laughs> well, it's wait. the location of the state of well, Oklahoma. The Oklahoma City plays. <laughs> well, Oklahoma City plays in the Western, Western Conference. Conference in the NBA. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, I, give, you we'll give you that. We'll give you that. Exactly. Good I would point, say they're sweet. not East. Oh boy. Kevin Durant is on the Western <laughs> Conference team, Fran. If you didn't know, <laughs> FYI, right. bud. Do you know that Dallas is in the NFC East? There's something wrong yeah. with that. Yeah, but then... A long time, the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, Arizona Arizona Cardinals were in the, the NFC East, East for a long time. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's transition here. Uh, great question from you guys on Twitter. The first one comes from Ben at Etter for Life. Was it Eric Rowe and Maxwell's, Byron Maxwell's best game of the season? I, I thought Eric Rose had only a couple of games to right. go by, but still. I think it was the, uh, for the for the pair together as a starting cornerback duo. I think it was definitely their best their best game together, uh, and I thought it was one of Maxwell's best games. In fact, I talked with Mike Quick after the game, and that was the first thing he said was I thought it was Maxwell's best game. Um, you know, I, I thought both were 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 very good, and you saw a lot of very good things from both guys against Sammy Watkins, which was great to see. It was a great test for those guys. I thought Eric Rowe couldn't play corner. Yeah, well. <laughs> Obviously, he's put that one to bed. Uh, next one comes from Irving Angel at Irving Knack on Twitter. Will Vinny Curry's role continue to increase with the way he's been generating tons of pressure? Um, was it Jordan Mills, the rookie tackle, who slammed him into the ground and just you know held him c- 
continuously throughout the course of the game. Yeah. So I don't think Curry had any stats yesterday, but was very disruptive and has been very good the last two weeks. And uh, I, I think that's kind of one of the things that's gone under the radar. I know it was mentioned on the broadcast uh, on CBS during the game on Sunday that one of the changes that Bill Davis made uh, after the back-to-back 45-point games was getting Vinnie Curry on the field more. And, and to me, there's no question that it's made a difference. Yeah, I don't know how much more we're going to see from Vinnie Curry. I think yeah. I think Bill Davis and I think the Eagles kind of know what Vinnie Curry's role is. Um, but you got to love the way that he's playing out there. You mentioned it. Uh, this game and the Patriots game, uh, Curry and Fletcher Cox were just in the backfield at all times. Uh, and I really like the way that Vinnie Curry's been leading the team before the games. BT, you're always in there in the pregame huddle, and Vinnie Curry's been leading it on the field the last two weeks. And it's from what I've seen, I mean, you have a better vantage point than I, than I do, but it's been awesome. <clears throat> Usually the leader of the team breaks down the huddles. In past years, it's been D'Amico because he's kind of been the emotional leader. Malcolm's been doing a lot this year. I think Michael Kendrick broke down a huddle one time, which is kind of random. But Vinny's done the last two weeks, and he's kind of got this, um, I don't know if you've seen Drew Brees' routine, where he kind of has a clap and the whole thing. So he's a big fan of Ric Flair. So he's just, you know, he, he'll have an emotional speech. I'm like, let's get ready. And they'll have those, like two claps and then do a Ric Flair thing. So they're just all fired up. And immediately when I went to go do the breakdown, Malcolm immediately asked Vinny to come do it. So clearly there's something that he's doing that's getting them all kind of juiced up before the game. So, But he did it in New England. And we were all were like, holy smokes. All right. The next question comes from at it's King Sam. Do we still need a quarterback who can run? And to me, I was also surprised to see the question <laughs> seeing how I'm not going to completely dismiss it with the buzzer, but Sam Bradford has played very well in his return. And obviously, is there a coincidence that he's returned? Offense has been more sustainable and the Eagles have gotten two victories under the belts. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. I, I, look, I think that they, from what they they lack, what from what Sam Bradford lacks in terms of his foot speed and be able to pull the ball and keep it and run in those read option plays, we saw multiple times this past week against Buffalo where they run the read option, but instead of Sam keeping it, he's throwing it to a route on the backside. So there are different ways to keep those players on the opposite side of the field honest. And it doesn't necessarily be with the quarterback run threat; it can be with routes from the wide receivers out wide. So uh, they they make it work either way. I don't, I don't think they need a, a rushing quarterback in this offense. Um, but it is nice, uh, you know, if, if you're a Buffalo fan where you have a guy like Tyrod Taylor who can drop back, survey the field, and then just take off and, you know, get first downs when, when it's not there. So it, it, it's, it's almost like an added luxury that you can have. But I, by, by no stretch, I don't think the Eagles need a mobile quarterback. And I think Bradford has proven that uh, over the last few weeks. Repetitive accuracy. Yes. That's what you need. And that's what Sam Bradford uh, brings to the table. All right, last question here. Uh, some, some good ones, so I'm trying to see which one I'm going to pick here. How about this one from WindishFox17 on Twitter? Wants to know, it appears the Eagles have had a lot easier time pass protecting than run blocking. Why would that be the case? Uh, well, I think that part of it is that, you know, it seems that the, the pass protection has been really good because I think Bradford has done a good job in the pocket. You know, he's been mm-hmm. getting rid of the ball quickly. Uh, he's been navigating the pocket pretty well. There were a number the the touchdown to Aguilar. Uh, to Aguilar. He did yeah. a great job sidestepping the pressure, stepping up in the pocket, and and delivering the football down the field. So, uh, Bradford absolutely has been helping with that in a number of different areas. I do think that the line still has to continue to improve, and that and they will be key down the stretch here for the Eagles. No question about it. So, uh, fellas, I think that's going to do it for us. I had fun. It was a great time. A great time. I learned. I learned a lot today. A lot about handball at Sheldon Ham High School. Indeed. I learned that you like to play squash at Fordham, so there you go. 
I, if you never played squash, you're missing out. That's all I'm going to tell you. And you're, you can make fun of it. You can do whatever you want. But if you never played it, then you don't know. <laughs> I learned about frothing today. Frothing. Frothing. Froth. 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 It's like golf. Froth. It's like golf with a fr. Frisbee golf. Froth. 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 Fr. Froth. Achilles was only as strong as his heel. <laughs> exactly. What he said. Uh, Frank Underwood. God bless you. Uh, special thanks to Chris Stevens and Brian Thomas making it happen behind the scenes. Great job mixing everything up, as always. Yeah! For Alex Smith and Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Eagles Entire Podcast. We'll be back next week.